Let's start this with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, we thank and we praise you, Lord, for your goodness, for your plan. God, that you are with us wherever we go, and we can trust you in our comings and goings, because, Lord, you know our comings and our goings and even the motivation behind them. Be with us tonight, Lord, that as we go into your word, Lord, that we will see every time we enter your word, God, you bless us. God helps to glorify you this evening. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Amen. So we continue on in the story of Joseph. And Joseph has been through a lot. So far we have seen he has been betrayed and sold into slavery. And then he was betrayed again. And this time he was sent to prison. Then he was betrayed a third time when he was forgotten by the cupbearer he helped. And now finally, finally, we see Joseph's faithfulness to God through all of this as part of God's plan to set him over the kingdom of Egypt as Pharaoh's number one helper. And as we will see, his faithfulness is used and blessed in the protection of the line of Abraham. Now, after all this, we see that Joseph gets married. He starts to have children of his own. And for many of us, when we see, hey, this is where Joseph is ending up, we we might sit there and think, well, that's great. Good for him. I guess that's the end of the story. But it's not. Joseph overcame a lot with God leading the way to get him where he is now. But there is still another hurdle. There is another challenge set before Joseph. And I would even go as far as to venture that this next hurdle with Joseph experience is actually even a greater challenge than being thrown into a pit. An even harder challenge than even sitting in prison or being betrayed. He has to overcome the bitterness and his heart towards his brothers that started it all. And he must learn to forgive those that betrayed him. Now, before we talk about Joseph and his brothers, I want to talk a little bit about bitterness. What is bitterness? Well, bitterness is one stop along several emotional stops when dealing with hurt. And your emotional pain may well relate to viewing whoever or whatever provoked a hurt in you as having malicious intent while committing some grave injustice towards you in the form of wronging you and causing you grief and pain. Anger, resentment is what we likely experience whenever we see someone who has seriously abused us and harmed us. And if left to fester, even something that can start as even righteous anger, that if we don't take careful attention to it, can eventually become the corrosive ulcer that is bitterness. Bitterness in Scripture is considered one of the most toxic forms of human emotions. Scripture warns us in Ephesians 4 that bitterness needs to be sent away. And Hebrews 12 says that bitterness can create trouble within a community of people to create trouble and even defile 
individuals. Now, the reason for this is bitterness causes us to take almost every type of pain we experience and then associates it with those that wrongs us and eventually bitterness becomes a sort of an escape response in dealing with that pain. Meaning everything you see around you reminds you of that pain. And then you become instantly bitter towards it. It doesn't deal just necessarily with that individual or that place or that circumstance, but suddenly it bleeds into every relationship, every aspect of life. And bitterness, not so different from like an oil spill, just begins to bleed over the waters, slowly killing all the wildlife around it. Even in bitterness, becomes almost like an addictive drug that harms us. There's a slight bit of gratification that can come with a sense of moral superiority when we exercise bitterness, when we feel we were wronged and treated unjustly. You know, when we were the victim and reminding people that we were the victim or to act upon that victimhood brings us some type of comfort, even though it is killing us and those around us. And eventually it leads us to remain in a state of constant victimhood to where we can't even relate to our brothers and sisters anymore. So if we do not move beyond bitterness, it can prolong emotional pain. It can cause depression. It can contribute to paranoid thinking and even hostility. And yes, it will do harm to those around us when bitterness takes root. So if you're someone that battles with bitterness towards someone in your life, I want you to pay careful attention to this story as as we see what Joseph deals with. Now, I want you to go ahead and start getting your Bibles ready and go ahead and turn to Genesis 45. Genesis 45. And as you're looking for Genesis 45, I'd like to... um, give you a little bit more background. Prior to this passage, Joseph is leading the land of Egypt through a time of famine. And about two years into the famine, Joseph's long-lost father, Jacob, orders his sons to go to Egypt to buy some food. And then on arrival, Joseph sees them and he recognizes them instantly. Like, it happened to me when I went to the McDonald's over in, in Potterville. I, inst- I was going there to meet with someone to disciple them and to pray over them. And I saw someone that I recognized from my college days. I recognized them instantly, but I didn't want to freak them out. So I waited till we were done eating to go say, hey, do you remember me from those days in college? Joseph saw them and recognized them instantly. And I can only imagine what was going through his mind When he recognized that's the family that threw me into the pit and started this all those years ago. What it must have been like that he recognized them, but they did not recognize Joseph. In fact, Joseph's brothers only saw him as a leader of Egypt. 
And when they approached Joseph, they even bowed down to Joseph there in that very moment. Now, do you guys remember that first dream that Joseph had that he shared with his brothers? You know, the one that he shared and it started all this trouble. Joseph had a dream that his brothers would one day bow at his feet. And in the dream, what were they portrayed as? Sheaves of grain. The very food they were coming to get. And here we see that, yes, even that dream, which Joseph had interpreted all those years ago, really happened. It came true. And we see that God continues to do things through, jo- uh, through Joseph in this way. Now, some may, may disagree with me on this next point, and that's fine, because it ultimately does not take anything away from God working through Joseph to save and restore his family. But I don't believe what happens next from Joseph is entirely out of a saintly heart from what we see from him. Rather, we see Joseph as someone that is struggling to find the good in his brothers while trying to hold on to his, whole, to, to his only brother, Benjamin. Joseph battles with his own bitterness while trying to cling to God for victory over it. So Joseph is here battling with bitterness. And to battle bitterness, I wanted to tell you something that you need to practice holy forgetfulness and forgiveness. You know, whatever caused the problem that brought bitterness into your life, it must be put behind you, as Paul said in Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You know, the words here, put away, means to dispose of or to discard and get rid of. You know, it means forget it. And my, if you're going to remove bitterness from your life, the first thing we have to do is get the the idea of an eye for an eye or the get even or the revenge attitude feeling out of our heart. We've got to bury the problem in an unmarked grave and walk away from it. There's a story of two little boys who had a quarrel as they were playing catch with a, a ball and a glove. One boy slammed the kitchen door and told his mother he'd never play with his brother ever again. And yet the next day, there he was on his way out through the door to play ball with his glove. And he said, I'll be over playing with my brother. And the mom said, I thought you were finished playing with him forever, said his mother. And Johnny said, oh, me and me and my brother are, are good forgetters. Now, my question is, are you, gen- are you a generous, detailed forgetter? And if you are, it will save you a lot of misery. If you're angry at your boss, it's as if you're carrying him on your back all the time. If you're angry about a circumstance, it's only a matter of time before that circumstance causes you to explode when you don't realize it. If you're angry at your you you may even be angry at your in-laws. Sometimes they're up there too. But how many people can you carry on your back before it crushes you under your under the weight? Is it not much easier to let it go? I remember when I was serving as a as a deacon at my old church, 
and uh, we were going through uh, a bit of a hard time regarding um, one of our, our staff members. And I knew the deacon board was divided on this issue. And I remember thinking to myself, there's one particular individual that I know is, is very passionate about this topic. And I'm just waiting for them to say something. In my mind, I have it built up. I'm waiting for them to say it. Yep, they're going to say something. I just know it. I just know it. And it's going to drive me crazy. They're going to say it. And I go through this over my head over and over again before the board meeting. And you know what happens? They say something. And since I was primed and ready to respond, I said, I know that's exactly what you were going to say. Because I did not deal with the anger and the bitterness that had started to take root in my heart. I responded in the wrong way. Now this brother and I are fine. We have a relationship still today and we have a good friendship. And we are brothers in Christ. But that's just even that's just a small taste of the danger of not releasing it to God. Now that's the idea of forgetting it, moving it, uh, moving away from it. Now consider forgiveness. Paul goes on in Ephesians 4:32 and says. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, Christ, has forgiven you. And man, that's the key, isn't it? Right there. You've got to forgive others even as God has forgiven you. That is a challenging passage. I don't care how much you believe you've... You, you may have been hurt very deeply but no one has been hurt more than Jesus Christ. And even as He was dying on the cross for our sins, He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Even after His mistreatment, He still treated them with compassion. We need to get the cross to understand this. And I would say even linger a bit there at the cross. Charles Spurgeon once said, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And then let us linger there to learn how to forgive. Do you need to forgive that person who has wronged you? Well, if you do, you need to do it freely. That is, whether they ask for it or not. Forgive them fully, even. You just can't cut your bitterness in half. Otherwise, it'll just begin to grow back like a bad weed. In Georgia, there's a weed called kudzu that grows all over the South. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it grows feet by feet a day. Yes, it's an invasive species that is not native to, to the South. But it doesn't matter how much you cut it back. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. It looks pretty, but then you realize it destroys everything that it chokes to death. That is a perfect picture of bitterness. So you see, once Joseph recognizes his brothers, this is the battle he's facing. He's battling those memories. He's battling those scars and the hurt. And so what does he do? 
He charges them as spies and throws them in jail for three days. I know that Joseph is battling this. Maybe he maybe even took a little bit of pleasure in doing that to them. But after that, he begins to test them and test their character and their honesty. Four different tests comes their way. The first starts when he takes the oldest brother, Simeon, prisoner, and refuses to release him unless the missing brother, Benjamin, who didn't go with them on this trip, is brought with them on their next visit. That, this is to test if they're actually able to keep their word. We see when these brothers return home to their father, they argue about what they actually argue about what to do. And it's Reuben that initially offers to protect the brother on the journey, but it is Judah that convinces his father to do it. And Judah takes sole responsibility for his safety. Judah's grown up a little bit since, since, the, since the earliest chapters of this saga. And so they bring Joseph's little brother with them, and they were blessed when they arrived with them. And now this is the opposite of what the brothers did with Joseph. They did not take charge of Joseph's safety when he visited them all those years ago. And then they in turn plotted his murder. This is the opposite. They're caring for Benjamin. They're trying to protect him. They're trying to be the brothers and men they're supposed to be. The second test came in the fact that when they had left for home, the first time Joseph had all of their payment placed back in their bags. In other words, it'd be like you go to the grocery store, you gave them $5 bills to buy, what is it, like just a loaf of bread now? No. Um, two loaves of bread, five bucks. Now that's actually true. <laughs> two loaves of bread for five bucks. It would be as if the person at the grocery store put the $5 back in the grocery bag on the way out to see what you would do with it. This is the same thing. As proof of their integrity, they actually attempted to return this back to Joseph in hopes to make right the mistake. And so as a blessing, when they did do this, Joseph allowed them to keep the money. And he allowed God to be the one to take the credit for the blessings. This was the opposite of what they had done when they actually sold Joseph for money in the past. You see, each of these tests portrays to a memory that Joseph had from his initial betrayal. Where before they were willing to sell their own brother for money, now they're in turn willing to give it up for the sake of protecting their brother. Now the third test happened while they were eating. Joseph had them seating according to birth order. So they were shocked at this because, guess what? They didn't tell Joseph who was the youngest and who was the oldest. But Joseph knew, and he had him seated that way. Then Joseph gave extra portions of food to his brother Benjamin, who he had never met before. The brother who he just met, who were related both by their father and their mother. Now, how did the other brothers respond to this? The brothers did not mind that they, and, and they were not jealous that Benjamin was being treated better than them. They were content and thankful for the blessings and the food that was presented right there in front of them. And they were glad that their brother was treated well. Again, this is the opposite of how Joseph was treated when he was young. Yes, Joseph was treated better than the other brothers. Joseph recognizes that in the same way that Benjamin now is being treated better. But now these brothers, instead of holding it against Joseph, being jealous, 
and even plotting a murder and letting bitterness take root. Instead, they are choosing to be thankful for what has been given to them right there, in, right there on the spot. Lastly, Joseph tested if they had become compassionate men. Now, when I say compassionate men, that is not a weak word. That doesn't mean ooey-gooey. That, that, what that means is men of strong, loving integrity, men of sacrifice, the greatest forms of compassion, capable of caring for their brother and even laying themselves down for their brother. He made it appear as though Benjamin, this young brother, had stolen from him and he was about to take him as his own. But remember, Judah made a promise to his father to protect his brother. So he went to Joseph's feet and wept and begged that he would not take Benjamin. And at last, we see and we learn these brothers before Joseph are not the same ones that sold Joseph into slavery all those years ago. They have grown up. They have changed. They have become better men. They have changed and now they even know real compassion. And this, all of this, leading up to our scripture today. So Genesis 45, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 18 for you. And please remember, this is the word of God. Joseph sees his brothers that they have changed. And he's finally dealing with what is in his heart. And this is what happens with Joseph. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. For they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here 
Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this. Load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan and take your father and your household and come to me and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you shall eat the fat of the land. You know, Joseph, if he really wanted to, he could have kept the charade going. He could have kept playing the games. But right there, the very first verse, he could no longer bear it. His conscience could no longer bear it. And there was not only this desire to reunite with his brothers, but to put the past behind him. Most of Joseph's life had been ruined or robbed from him because of these very brothers. And I bet if something similar happened to you or I, if we left our perspective just at that, then we might not forgive them. But consider Joseph's perspective. His, as I was saying earlier today about John the Baptist, about his Godly discernment. In verses 7 8, when he says, And God sent me here before you. When they say before you in Scripture, that usually means He sent me ahead of you to prepare something for you. He sent me here before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive you for, my, for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph said, God allowed this to happen. For them. So if God is truly the one responsible, how can I be mad at God? And it is from this reconciliation that Pharaoh and, 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 and Egypt, and it brings Jacob and the entire family to Egypt, where they would live on the very best land and provided for through the rest of the famine. Listen, Joseph was faithful through forgiveness. Joseph was faithful through forgiveness. Did he struggle with it? Yes. Did he struggle with the bitterness and the memories? Yes. But he struggled with God. And Joseph was faithful through forgiveness. He overcame his memories of the past by giving it to God. And he let go of his need for revenge. He forgave. And God chose to restore. Bitterness. It's unforgiveness that's fermented. And like so many things left to ferment, it takes on a seemingly overpowering odor. And it is one of those things that it is difficult for you to tell someone to get over. Because it's a personal injury. And it's a personal journey that they're dealing with. It digs deep in the heart of the person suffering from, from it. And the only way to clear it up, yes, is true forgiveness, a.k.a. grace. Joseph was faithful through forgiveness and a showing of grace. A forgiveness and grace that I know he saw from his, from his father. So I want to give you a few tips in dealing with bitterness with these goals in mind. Forgiveness and healing the wound. First, 
It sounds simple, I know. Forgive. Forgiveness does not mean pretending everything is okay. It doesn't mean necessarily forgetting the hurt either. The more you're able to forget it, though, the better. According to St. Augustine, he says, Forgiveness is simply the act of surrendering our desire for revenge. That is, our desire to hurt someone for having hurt us. In one sense, it means leaving the justice of the situation to God so you can move on. Forgiveness is the gift God's grace gives that enables us to stop picking at an old wound and an old scab and to start truly healing. Two, if able, if able, reconcile. Forgiveness allows you to no longer be burdened by the path so you can begin healing the wound and any wounded relationships. If the person who hurt you is willing to work with you, consider what you and that person would need to experience to know that it is safe, yes, for your relationship to be reconciled. If you're on your own and they're not willing to help in this, focus your prayer and time on how to best move on and to heal. Also, if you're struggling to think through your feelings and thoughts, don't be ashamed. Don't Listen, don't be ashamed to ask for help. Don't be ashamed to ask for a counselor, a life coach, or a pastor, or a trusted friend for help. And as we saw, much of what Joseph learned was he tried to understand God's reasoning for something and God's reason for what had happened to him. Third, like I said, get as close to forgetting the cause of the issue as possible and stop dwelling on it and retelling it over and over again. When we are hurt, we have a tendency to turn these painful events over and over and over in our minds or tell anyone who will listen about our pain, even over and over and over again. Yes, it's important for us to express our pain, to share it, and to get help with it, but we also must be careful that we're not so addicted to it that we're expressing it for the sake of starting all over again in the healing process. Yes, it's fine to talk to people we think can help us in dealing with the hurt or facilitate reconciliation or help us rebuild our lives in some capacity. But other than that, if we have truly forgiven them, then dwelling on the story of of our injury is only going to bring the bitterness back. Dwelling on the story of our injury ourselves so our minds and hearts can can begin to focus on other things. For how can we move forward for always focused on the past. Fourth, seek grace. It can be next to impossible to heal some wounds without God's grace. Bitterness causes us to shun God's grace in favor of obsessing over the hurt. And if you're holding on to bitterness, I encourage you to take it to confess this bitterness to God as well. Yes, confess the bitter heart to the Lord. And I will say this, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's experience or anyone's pain in saying that. That is not my objective. Please do not be insulted by the, the, the suggestion. The reason I am saying that is because it is a crucial part of healing. We need God's love. We need His mercy. We need His healing grace. And yes, He can help us 
mend. Goodness, he help, he's healed us of our sin condition. I am sure he can heal us of even the deepest found bitterness as well. Coming to the Lord helps us to surrender our pain and our struggle to him. So yes, we can move forward in him. So God overcomes for us. Even the greatest trials of our lives, God can see us through it. So as we've seen through the life of Joseph, remain faithful in your trials. Continue to serve God, even if you don't see what God is doing. God's plans include you and the work he hopes to accomplish through you. So yes, even be ready to forgive and faithfully overcome bitterness through God. For God's glory. And one last thing. Consider what Jesus Christ has endured on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And I know that there are some days where, yes, I linger at the cross and I reflect on the forgiveness of my sins that He has shown. And there is a peace in knowing that my Savior a reliable friend and Savior is there for me even when the rest of the world fails me. Praise God in all circumstances that my testimony will always point to the sufficiency of Christ who paid the price for the forgiveness of my sins to help me, to heal me, to guide me even in the pain for His glory. And I know my God is faithful. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for the challenge that Your Word brings to our lives. God, that it cuts us deeply in a good way. God, that it reveals to us the struggles of our heart and our soul. God, that it convicts us of the things that we have not brought to you that we need to bring to you. God, that it shows us the freedom that we have through your Son. God, that indeed there is peace even in the turmoil. Lord, we thank you for your Son. We thank you, God, for your testimony that you've given us through Joseph. And we thank you, Lord, for the saving power through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless. You all have a good night.